0: Okratov, We are continuing Sefer Melachim Bet. And we uh, got up to, we, we went to the side of Yehuda to learn the story of Yoash and his miraculous, um, his, his miraculous self- being saved by the Kohen and whatnot from Atalia and the death of Atalia and Yoash's kingship and how he renovated the Beit HaMikdash and then how he ended up getting assassinated. And then we went back to the family of Yehu. To Yeho'achaz, And basically what happened during Yeho'ahaz's time is that uh, Aram causes issues for B'nai Israel. So Yeho'achaz prays to Hashem and he says the salvation is brought. Now what does it mean salvation is brought? The Mephashim said that during Yeho'ash, his son's kingship, there was salvation against Aram. Okay, so it, the way the Pasuk said it is as if when Yeho'achaz prayed, salvation came immediately. And therefore the Mephashim say that he must have prayed at the end of his life. And then he, he made Yehoash king during his lifetime. And right away, at the beginning of Yehoash's reign, there was some salvation against Aram. So then Yehoash's prayers were therefore answered. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Now we are up to Pasuk 14. Yeah, let's just quickly, uh, let's see. Oh, up to 14, right? So Yehoash, uh, hold on. So let's just quickly uh, see what they said about Yoash again. So 37th year of Yoash king of Yehuda, Yehoash son of Yehoachaz ruled over Israel. And... No, no, no. What? Oh, yes. In Shomron, then he reigned for 16 years. He did what was evil in the eyes of Hashem. He did not deviate from the ways of Yeroban ben Nevat that caused Israel to sin. Uh, And the rest of his matters that you, you could find and the fact that he fought against Amatziah king of Yehuda. Uh, we'll get more details on that later. They are written in Devarim, Malchay Israel. It's not the book of Devarim <coughs> that we have. Uh, Yoash uh, uh, slept uh, or died, and he was with his forefathers. And Yarovam sat on his throne. Yarovam the second, right? That's the son of Yoash. Yarovam the second, who we see is going to reign for forty-one years. Vaykaver Israel, and Yoash reigned in Shomron with. I mean, he was, uh, he was buried in Shomron with the kings of Israel, okay? Now we get up to Pasuk Yudaled, up to the death that we said, we're going to speak about the death of Elisha Hanabi. And Elisha got the sickness that he was going to die from. Apparently the Midrash says that uh, he had three sicknesses. Here, if you look. bet he got sick three times, and only on the third one that he, he died. That's why the Pasuk says it in an awkward language. He, find, he got the sickness that he would ultimately die from, because there were two other sicknesses. That's what the Mepharshim say, okay? So Elisha gets sick, and he's, he's about to die. So Yoash, king of Israel, goes down to him. My master, my master, you are the chariot of Israel, and it's, uh, how, how do they translate? The chariot of, of Israel. And it's horsemen, okay what, what does that mean? What does that pasuk mean? so it means you are the leader of Israel and you are the one who's able to guide Israel you are like the chariot, the horseman, the one whose tefillot are answered and Am Israel is saved for, and, and is, is uh, saved from your tefillot so on his deathbed, Yoash approaches elisha and he talks about how much how Bad, he feels that Elisha is dying, and how Elisha is the le- true leader of Israel, and how Elisha's tefilot and his instruction for Abisrael is such was such a great help for him. Okay, that's what this essentially means. This phrase. This is the same thing that Elisha said when Eliyahu died, yeah. or when Eliyahu got taken up. Yes. Okay, so it's interesting that Elisha is being treated the same way, but this time not from another navi, rather from the king of Israel, Yehoash. Okay. So Elisha says to Yoash We're not done here Take a bow and arrows And he took a bow and arrows He said put your hand on the bow And he laid his hand on the bow And then Elisha Put his hands on the hands of the king To kind of like show him that he should Be confident as he puts his hands on the bow And to have stability okay was a good sign. So then Elisha says to him, Open up the window that's to the east, and he opened it. He said, Shoot, and he shot. he said, This is the arrow of salvation to Hashem, and it's an arrow of salvation against Aram. And he will strike Aram in Afek until their destruction. Okay, so what is this? This is a classic um, symbolism of nivuah, right? This happens often in nivuot in which there's some physical item that's represented in the nivuah or that's done to represent the nivuah rather than just like tell him that you're going to destroy uh, Aram, you know? There are some so in this case the physical item that's represent that's representing the Nivah is that Yehoash, who we know is the one who's going to bring salvation against Aram, is holding an arrow facing east, which is east is the direction of Aram. And he shoots the arrow. And that and that represents him being able to defeat Aram. Okay? he said, take more bow more arrows and he takes. He says, Strike them to the ground. I think that means like shoot them more. Okay? Or maybe it just means strike them in the ground in front of you, whatever it is. And then he says, okay, so he takes more arrows, and he strikes the ground three times, but then he stops. Okay? So the man of God, Yani Elisha, gets upset at him. He said, if you would have taken five or six arrows, then you would have hit Aram until its destruction. But now you will only strike Aram three times, and what? Because you did it only three times, the it's not going to be a complete destruction. destruction. Exactly, that's what he's trying to say. Look, I don't know. This feels very relevant, frankly, because it feels like it's it's very typical of Jewish kings to against their enemies, never actually finish a job. We've seen it with uh, the Shaul Melech with Amalek. How the Jewish king has... We have this natural Rahmanut that we inherit in our genes from Abraham Avinu. And it makes it very hard for us to completely eradicate our enemy. And the second we see we are strong, we start to feel guilty and we pull back. And maybe that's what's going on with Yehoash as well. In that he's not thinking in terms of utter destruction of the enemy. And Elisha is there correcting him and saying, Look, if you just would be more ruthless and use your arrows... You would destroy them completely But now you're only going to destroy them Temporarily and Not completely Okay uh, it's, It seems like this is a problem That's endemic to Am You He's going to have the problem today as well Alright Vayamot <laughs> Elisha dies and they bury him And as a side note Or some say as a result of the fact that Elisha's zechut wasn't there anymore The The bands of Moabites Started coming and pillaging the land Every year Okay And it was when they were burying At one point Not Elisha Elisha was buried no problem He's in his cave Burial everything is good Okay But the band of Moabites Start to come And at some point They were A a few Jews Or a few Israelites Were trying to bury a man And all of a sudden They see the band of Moabites Are running towards them and they got very scared While they were in the middle of the, of, the, of the burial So they threw the man Into the cave of Elisha And ran away And then When the man got thrown into the cave He touched the bones of Elisha And he woke up He came back to life And he got on his feet Here let me find you the uh, Here Merabotein in and Pekid Rabbi Eliezer said that this man, he became alive and he actually had kids after this. Wow. And why is it that he came back, came back to life? Because Eliyahu gave Elisha two times a blessing, blessing, remember? Yeah. And Eliyahu only brought back to life how many people? Wow. One person. Now so far, how many people has Elisha brought back to life? Also one. So now by, waking up, by bringing this person back to life... And then he gets double portion. Let's um, see this man's name was Shalom ben Tikva. I'm just going to read you the Radak here. and He was one of the great men of the generation. Shalom ben Tikva. He would do righteous deeds all the time. He would fill up a thing of water, and he would stand by the entrance of the city, and anybody who would come, he would offer them water and give them life again. Maybe that's why he was blessed with extra life, was because he would const- his, his deeds were one of keep giving people life through giving them water. And because he was such a righteous man, his wife ended up getting Ruach HaKodesh. And who was his wife? <speaking in Hebrew> his wife was the famous prophetess <speaking in Hebrew> that we'll see at the end of the book, that she was the wife of Shalom Ben Tikva. And when he died, all of Israel went to bury him together. And then they saw this band of Moabites. And they threw him into the um, <coughs> cave of Elisha. And then he touched Elisha's thing and he came back to life. And then he gave birth to a son named Hanam El. As it says, As it says in the book of Yirmiyahu that Khanam El was the son of Shalom. And we assume it's Shalom Ben-Tikva, the guy we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And the Tosefta also says that the man's name was Shalom Ben-Tikva, and he gave birth to Hanam El after this. And <laughs> <laughs> Then, after all of this, we built the whole story around this guy that he was a Tzadik, he used to give water to everybody, he was a tzaddik. his wife became Ruach HaKadosh, she was <laughs> a naviyah. Then he had a son named Hanamel and this and that. They say, but there's another opinion (laughs) opinion. (laughs) that he didn't come back to life. Rather, he just periodically stood up so he doesn't get buried with Elisha and he walked away and died somewhere else. Okay? And this man was actually a (laughs) Rasha. This man was actually a Rasha. so. So why did he wake up? He didn't actually wake up. The second he was thrown into the cave, his body got on its feet and walked him away to somewhere else because he was Rasha and he didn't want to be buried with Elisha. Um, And then, oh, and then the final question is, how did Elisha then get double the portion of Eliyahu if he only brought one person back to life? They say whenever he got Naaman's tzara'at cured, Remember a case where the general yes. of the Aram yes, yes, yes. came and he had a, a tsarat. So whenever he got, and then he told him to go to the Jordan River and the guy's like, why this is stupid? That's a foolish thing. Why would I do that? And he's like, okay, you might as well just go do it. If he would have told you to go to the Appalachian Mountains and go to the peak, you would have done it. So then why don't you just do what this Elisha uh, is telling you? He goes okay. and he does it and he gets better and he becomes like a balt Shuvah And he says, I'm never going to bow down to Abu Dazar again. So that's the other bringing back to life. Because anybody who has sarat is considered like he's dead. he's dead, and then by bringing him back to life, he's uh, by curing the sarat. That was the second thing. Okay, so fast, it's super fascinating. It's amazing how much of a story they built behind psukim that are just yeah. vague. Like we don't know yeah. who this man is, right? Well, we built this whole story that is Shalom Ben Tigva. Okay, uh, so we stop at Pasuk Kaf Bet tomorrow. we'll continue from Pasuk Kaf Bet. Baruch Amen, Amen